right, glad to have you with us today, and uh, we are just privileged to uh, be able to, as I said, be able to have such great worship leaders uh, here, and uh, Charlie's uh, here worshiping today, and uh, Clay does such a wonderful job, and uh, I just want to tell you, uh, if you listen to uh, Christian radio and you hear these great uh, worship guys, Charlie Hall or, or uh, 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 any, any of these incredible guys, and you're saying, Man, how did they get to be where they are? You know who they are? They're worship leaders in churches. That's all they are. They're just worship leaders in churches. And uh, they started maybe in a church our size, and their ministry grew and grew and grew. But their heart is ministry in their church. And most of those guys, uh, they may travel here and there, do concerts, but they're back home on Sunday to lead worship in their church. And so uh, that's the passion that our guys are developing and man, you're just seeing God working in their hearts as they grow in their ministry and working in our hearts as well. well I want us to pray, uh, pause, and pray together and jump in the study of the Word today. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that today your Word would be real to us. And Lord, as we look again to uh, the storm warnings that you give us in the book of Revelation, I just pray, Father, that uh, they would become very vivid to us and uh, life-impacting as uh, we, as eternity-focused disciples of Jesus Christ, uh, just seek to, uh, to point our attention uh, to, to heaven and point our attention to eternity, even to the eternity in hell. Help us understand, Father, that everybody's going to live somewhere for eternity uh, in heaven or hell, and help us take our eyes off of this world and see through faith uh, and eyes of faith the world coming. And so help us this morning as we look back in your word just to be able to, uh, to get a little bit clearer glimpse of what eternity is all about. That's my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. The title of my message this morning is Listening for the Trumpet, Listening for the Trumpet. And I want you to take your Bible, turn with me to the book of Revelation, the 10th chapter again, Revelation chapter 10. And we're going to read all of Revelation chapter 10. And to honor God and honor the significance of this passage of Scripture, I want you to rise together as we read together. Let's stand together. Let's read the Word of, uh, of God together, giving God honor for what he has uh, shared with us. Revelation chapter 10, verse 1. John says, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, and he was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs were like fiery pillars. And he was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. And he planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them and the earth and all that is in it and the sea and all that is in it. And he said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more. He said, go take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. 
So I went to the angel and I asked him to give me the little scroll and he said to me, take it and eat it and it will turn sour in your stomach but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Have a seat, grab the note section in your program or your journal, get your pen out, let's study scripture together today. Now you know my preaching goal for the year is to create eternity-focused disciples of Jesus Christ. That means a disciple of Jesus that isn't focusing on how just to do life today, but is focusing on eternity because all of us are going to spend eternity one place or another, either in heaven or in hell. Now, John, uh, Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, we see that John points out two critical lessons that every eternity-focused disciple of Jesus must learn. Last week, we talked about the first of those two lessons, and that is navigating the mysteries of God. I received so many emails uh, about last me- week's message about how it helped different individuals. I just really appreciate that because what we talked about last, uh, last week is not answering the mysteries of God, but understanding how to navigate uh, through the mysteries of God because the truth of the matter is the longer I study Scripture, the less I understand about Scripture. And the more I study who God is, the less I understand who God is, and I'm totally okay with that. And an eternity-focused disciple of Jesus Christ isn't one that has to have all the answers. He's one who simply, or she is one, who simply knows that God has the answers and you're okay with navigating through the mysteries of, of what God chooses to do. Now this morning I want to talk about another lesson that's found also in verse 7. And that is listening or learning to listen for the trumpet of God. Verse 7 says, But in those days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Now when I'm talking about listening for the trumpet of God, of course that last trumpet, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, I'm talking more than just hearing noise. I'm talking about tuning in to the trumpet of God, adjusting our lives to the trumpet of God, and uh, uh, impacting decisions based on the fact that we know the trumpet's coming very, very soon. And so the decisions we're making all are impacted by our looking forward to and attention to the trumpet of God. Now, I believe everybody here this morning has a listening problem. Anybody here have problems listening? Uh, you know, anybody here have a spouse that you just say, you're not listening to me anymore, you know? Uh, you never do. I, I think there's several reasons why uh, people have difficulty listening. Sometimes it's just you lack interest in what's going on or what's being spoken. Uh, yesterday's uh, tragic events that turned out to be uh, tragic for just a few, uh, uh, the plane wreck in, in San Francisco Airport. We've taken off there, never landed. Uh, but I was thinking about uh, setting on uh, that same runway that the plane crashed on at the end as we were getting ready to take off. Uh, and as the flight attendant came out and before uh, we are ready to take off, as she or he always does, they say, would you please give your attention to these instructions uh, in case we have an emergency on the airplane. Anybody ever heard that statement made to you? Has anybody ever ignored that statement made to you? 
You've heard it so many times. You couldn't care less where the exits are. You don't have a clue. Uh, you know, you're in your book or your iPad or whatever, and you just uh, have a lack of interest. Sometimes it's because of the distractions that are around us that we have difficulties listening. Now, this is a true story. You're going to have, find it hard to believe, but it's a true story. It, 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 it's, uh, uh, but I was at a light uh, a couple of months ago, and I noticed in the rearview mirror a lady in the car behind me. And I just thought this was, this was great. It was classic. And uh, we were sitting there for the light to turn so I could turn left. And she was in the left turn lane. She was going to turn left uh, as well. And there's a car behind her, or two or three, uh, waiting to turn left. And I noticed that this lady uh, was doing some very interesting things. Number one, she was talking on her cell phone, which is against law. Okay, you know, she's not supposed to do that. Second thing, I noticed she was smoking a cigarette uh, in the other hand, uh, but at the same time, she's putting on eye makeup. And I didn't understand how that was working. And then I realized she must have been listening to the radio because she was, you know, just bouncing to the beat. And uh, the light changed. I took off, and she sat there. The guy behind her, becoming increasingly impatient, kept blowing her his horn, and I got out of sight, and she's still sitting there. Now, why didn't she notice what was going on around her? I think it's because of distractions. Sometimes it's because of our uh, lack of attention uh, to, uh, to what's going on around us. In the last 10 years, one study said in the last 10 years, our attention span has gone from 10 minutes to 5 minutes. I read in another study that, no, that's not the case. Our attention uh, span is really about 8 seconds. Uh, now, there's something about that that I found very, very interesting, uh, and I wonder how true that uh, study was because they said the average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. And I thought, how do they measure that? You know, I, 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 just, I don't understand. But this morning, as we turn back to the storm warnings of the book of Revelation, there's a sound that is described in verse 7 that we're all going to hear. It's not going to be a matter of, I didn't hear the trumpet call of God. We're all going to hear it. But the issue is, are we tuning our, our ears today to uh, looking forward to that sound? Now, in verse 1 and 2, we see, in chapter 10, we see a mighty angel. And it says that the angel had one foot planted on the ground, the other foot planted on the sea. And he was holding in his hand a, a scroll. Now, the last time we had seen this scroll, it was back over, and you put a bookmarker here if you like to, it was back over in chapter 5 of Revelation and verse 5 and 6. In verse 5 it says, One of the elders said to me, Don't we see the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed, and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb, looking as if he had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures, and uh, he had seven horns and eyes, and spir seven spirits of God uh, were sent out through all the earth. And he took hold of the scroll, and he began opening the seals. Now, if you've been with us a little bit, you've noticed as we study through that section of Scripture that as each one of those seven seals were opened, God poured out another massive uh, uh, event on our planet uh, of disaster. And at first you have to ask, why is God sending these disasters to the world described uh, in chapter 6 and 7? And at first it seemed just because God's mad. He's ticked off and he wants to punish sin. 
And that certainly, God has every right to be, be mad. Man, uh, when you look at our world and what we're making of what God's creation should be, uh, God has every right to be mad. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, we are blowing it big time. But I want to tell you, as I've shared with you before, that the purpose of rolling out those massive, massive issues in our world is not just to destroy people's lives, but it's really an act of prevenient grace. It's God wooing us, drawing us, calling us to say, repent of your sin. Now, as you get to chapter 8 and 9, we turn there and we study through this section of Scripture. As the last of the seals is open, we see the first of a series of seven trumpets begin to sound. And as every trumpet sounds, we again see God just pouring out uh, just destruction on our world. Uh, and the question is, why is he doing that? When we read the reason, as you come down to chapter 9, the end of it, verse 20 and 21, it says, the rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. Folks, God wants people to repent. And God will do whatever it takes to get people's attention so that they'll turn back to him and the grace that he has in Jesus Christ. Now, as we move to chapter 10, we see this dramatic event. We see this angel standing one foot on the ground, the other foot on the sea, and holding in his hand this scroll. Now, as we read, uh, anticipation builds as you read through the chapter because it would, it would seem that the context of this little book, this little scroll, is going to be given to us. However, as you read through chapter 10 that we did just a few moments ago, we read that the content is not described at all. As a matter of fact, John is told, don't write down the content of the book. He's told, rather, I want you to eat the book. What a weird thing. Eating the book describes digesting the message that's inside the book. Now, he says something quite interesting as you come down to verse 9. He says, I want you to take the scroll and I want you to eat it. It's going to turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it's going to be as sweet as honey. Now, the question is, what is both sweet and sour about the message that would be in this, inside this book? And what does it have to do with the sounding of this last seventh trumpet? There are three things I want to talk to you about this morning. The first is I want us to distinguish what this trumpet is, distinguishing the trumpet. In verse 7 it says, In the last days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished. Now the Old Testament trumpets were great importance. We see them over and over and over again, but they had different purposes. In the book of Exodus chapter 19, uh, we read that when God was descending on Mount Sinai to deliver to Moses the Ten Commandments, that a trumpet blast continued. It wasn't just one blast, but it continued. And as God's presence became overwhelming, the trumpet blast got louder and louder and louder to the point that the Israelites said, uh, fled from the mountain, and they said, Moses, you go up and see what God has to say. We're afraid to do that. Joshua chapter uh, 6 and verse 15, 16, uh, you might remember that when the Israelites were marching around uh, the city of uh, Jericho, yes, uh, on the last day, they uh, blew a massive trumpet blast. And when the trumpet blast blew, the walls fell flat 
and they marched in and conquered the city. In Psalm chapter 150, trumpets are central in worship in, in the temple. But in the New Testament, there's almost an exclusive purpose for the trumpet of God. And they all grow out of one event that takes place in the book of Acts, chapter 1. Everybody turn with me. Have a bookmarker here. We'll come back. But everybody turn with me to the history book of the New Testament, the book of Acts in the first chapter. And I want you to read with me a few verses uh, that describe Jesus' ascension into heaven. It says in uh, chapter 1 of Acts, verse 3, after his suffering, after Jesus' suffering, Jesus showed himself to these men, to the apostles, and he gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was still eating with them, he gave them this commandment. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait until the gift of my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. After this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white came and stood beside them. Men of Galilee, the angel said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in exactly the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Now the Bible talks about that event and the trumpet call of God that will usher in that event on several different occasions. Turn with me, go to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus talks about the trumpet in Matthew chapter 24. Everybody turn, let's study scripture together today. Matthew chapter 24, and uh, come down to verse 30. Matthew 24 and verse 30. Jesus says, at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. Watch this, Jesus speaking. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. I want you to turn with me, everybody, the book of 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. It's a passage of scripture we glanced at last Sunday. I just want to notice again with you that mention of the trumpet call of God. Everybody got it? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50. Paul writes there and he says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the imperishable, uh, the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, At the last, what? Say it out loud. What? Trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. Keep going to your right, the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, I read this section of scripture at every single uh, Christian's uh, death, at their burial service, I always use this passage of scripture. 
because it's an amazing statement about Jesus' return and the impact that it will have on our own existence. Watch what it says. First Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. He says, brothers, we do not want you to become ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. That was a phrase that was used to describe Christians who have died. New Testament, it never says Christians died. It says Christians fell asleep, okay? We don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down uh, from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with what? Say it out loud. With a trumpet, call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we are still alive and are left, will be caught up to meet together with him in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, you got a bookmark back in Revelation chapter 10. Go back there. Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7. Let's circle up the wagons around this trumpet call of God to understand what it's all about. It says, but in those days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished as he announced to his servants the prophets. Now, folks, I need you to understand that this seventh trumpet is none other than the trumpet call of God that will usher in the return of Jesus and God's final judgment on sinful mankind. Now, i got to pause right here and tell you that that some people believe uh, that the trumpet call of God will uh, usher in what's called the rapture of the church. The trumpet blast will happen and poof, all the Christians are, will be gone and then everybody else is going to be left behind, left behind series, uh, uh, it came from that, will be left behind and in essence, everybody left behind is going to get a second chance to accept Jesus as Savior of their life or not. That's going to be tremendous pain and difficulty and problem during that period of time. I just got to tell you my opinion on that. And you can accept this or not. I'm good with that. I'm not going to argue with anybody over that. I'm going to tell you uh, that uh, if that's the message, God, a method that God chooses to use, in other words, he's just going to snatch me out of the world and leave all the sinners behind, I'm good with that. Because I'm planning on going home, okay? Uh, and, and if he chooses to do that, that way, I'm totally cool with that. However, I want to give you a reason this morning, and I could give you many, many reasons this morning, why I don't believe that's how God's going to do it. Go with me, if you would, to discerning the trumpet. And look at what he says here in this section of Scripture, verse 7 down to the end of the chapter. And I'll explain what I mean. He says, but in those days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I heard come from heaven spoke to me once more. He said, you go take the scroll that lies in the hand of the angel who's standing on the sea and on the land. So I uh, went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll, and he said to me, take it and eat it, and it'll turn sour in your stomach, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey uh, in my mouth. But when I'd eaten it, it 
turned sour in my stomach. Then I was told, you must prophesy against many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Now I have to ask you this morning, what is it that makes the sounding of the trumpet call both sweet and sour? Folks, when that final trumpet call happens and all that we know on earth is past, what is it that makes that trumpet call both sweet and sour? Let me ask you this question. Think with me this morning. Who is it on earth that would consider the sound of the last trumpet as the sweetest sound that they've ever heard? Christians, believers, eternity-focused disciples of Jesus Christ, individuals who are ready and waiting and eager for the Lord's return, disciples who've left their nets to follow Jesus and become fishers of men, disciples who are denying every single day themselves and taking up their cross every single day and following Jesus every single day of their life. To them, the trumpet sound is going to be the sweetest sound they've ever heard in my life. Are you one of those eternity-focused disciples? Are you focusing every day hoping that today will be the day when the trumpet will sound because you know that it will mean that you'll be in heaven? If you are, and if your family is an eternity-focused disciple for Jesus, can I tell you something? You are way in the minority. Not just outside the church, but inside the church as well. Why do I say that? Do you know what Jesus says about how many people will be ready for the trumpet sound when it comes? Take your Bible, go with me to the book of Matthew, the 7th chapter, and listen to some of the scariest words that Jesus ever speaks. And I want you to notice exactly what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about two different groups of people who will not and will never become ready for the trumpet call of God. Number one, it's lost people. Lost people will not be ready for the trumpet call of God. Now, I know that we've gotten away from this concept uh, of lostness today. Oh, I shouldn't call a person lost. Well, Jesus calls people that don't know him lost, okay? I can't come up with a better description of a person that doesn't know who Jesus is as their personal Savior than the words that Jesus gave. Watch what he says about lost people in verse 13 and 14. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to eternal life, and only a few find it. Folks, we must get away from the common myth that Satan is just propelling on the church today that everybody's going to go to heaven because, according to Jesus, most people won't. Most people won't. Most people won't. But Jesus goes on to say that not only that most lost people aren't ready for the trumpet, he says most church people aren't ready for the trumpet either. Listen to what he says in verse 21 to 23. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. My good buddy Kenny Grant says that the question for lost people is always, are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? But he says the question for saved people is, are you living for heaven or are you living for earth? Folks, quite frankly, not everyone sitting here will be in heaven one day, according to Jesus. Well, Lord, I attended church every Sunday. Well, Lord, I was a small group leader. But Lord, I did this ministry and that ministry and something else. But Lord, I was a preacher. And Jesus will say, away from me, I never even knew you. Over the coming weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be an eternity-focused disciple of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about how, what you have to do to make that happen. But I, I just want you to jot down, if you would, a passage of Scripture that uh, I don't even have time to go to, Hebrews chapter 12, that talks about discipling for the trumpet. Discipling for the trumpet. And I want you to read through Hebrews chapter 12 because he talks about uh, areas of our lives that just have to change, just have to change if we're going to be prepared for the trumpet sound to come. We'll talk more about that as we come. My question is for you today is, are you an eternity-focused disciple of Jesus? And more importantly, if you're a parent or a grandparent, are your children eternity-focused disciples of Jesus Christ? Now, I got to tell you, that doesn't happen by bringing them to church once a week, although you ought to bring them to church. It doesn't happen by hoping they'll catch the message if they watch your life. It happens by being in their lives every single day with a life-changing word of God. Folks, if you're an eternity-focused disciple of Jesus Christ, and not all of us are, but if you are, I want to tell you that the trumpet blast will be the sweetest sound that you've ever heard on earth. And it's going to resonate in your mind for an eternity the moment you heard the blast and the moment you went to heaven and the moment you were reunited with Christian friends and loved ones and parents and spouses. But folks, I want to tell you, if you're not an eternity-focused disciple of Jesus Christ, that blast will haunt you throughout eternity and hell. Throughout eternity. As you say, man, oh man, I spent a lot of time in church, but I didn't know Jesus as my personal Savior. I hung around Christians, did a lot of great Christian things, but God never impacted my life personally. Well, we're going to be talking about that a lot in the coming weeks, and I just want you to be with us to understand that accepting Jesus Christ as Savior of your life is awesomely important, but it's only the start of the journey that you must take as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together this morning. Well, Father God, we talked about that trumpet blast this morning that will be 
an awesomely sweet sound or will be a horrendously sour sound. Father, we know that even for us right today, it's sweet and sour to think about the trumpet call of God because, Lord, it's sweet for us to know that that, uh, so many of us are on the way to heaven and so many of our children are on the way to heaven and so many of our family members and co-workers are on the way to heaven. Father, that that just is sweet to us to know that we're going to see them in heaven one day. Father, the message of that trumpet blast is equally sour in our hearts as we realize that many of the people that we work with, many of the people that we even worship with, many of the people that we hang out with at the pool or are shot beside in, in Martins, when the trumpet sound sounds, they won't be ready. Father, I just pray that you'll change us into a church that cares about the eternal destiny of people's souls, not that they, just that they come to know Jesus as Savior, but Father, that they are fathered in a discipleship process that's changing their lives as they focus on Jesus soon return. Lord, we thank you for the message that we've heard from your word today. Pray, Father, that just as John came awake almost stunned from the message that he heard, that so will we as we realize the task before us. With your eyes closed right now this morning, I I just want to ask you a question. Do you know that you know that if Jesus were to return this evening that you'd be entering in through that narrow door? Not you hope, you guess. Do you know? Doesn't come down to good Christian works or deeds. Doesn't come down to church attendance. Comes down to knowing Jesus Christ personally and his transforming power in your life changing you day after day after day more into the image of, uh, of Jesus. Do you know? Second question, do you know that your family is on the way? Every one of them is on the way. This morning I want to ask you as we sing together do one of two things. If if you need to make a personal commitment or recommitment to Jesus Christ to be Savior and Lord of your life, I'll be here at the front. Aaron will be here at the front. We'd love to meet and pray and talk with you today. We can even baptize you in Christ today. Man, if you've got a family member, a cousin, aunt, mom, dad, child, grandchild that's uh, just drifting, I'd suggest you just make your way over to the cross as we sing and bow humbly before God saying, God, show me, show me how to better connect them to uh, the God of the universe that can change their lives. Lord, I just pray that you would move in our lives today and that you would make this a significant day as our lives uh, begin to live out being changed by the soon trumpet call of uh, eternal. That's our prayer. Jesus' name. You have an, a, accept Jesus as Savior. Come to front.
you need to pray about someone, your family, close friend, just go to the cross and kneel. Let's move as we stand still.